This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to The Lobe Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a shot! Welcome to the Lowe Strangers podcast, the perfect solution to the stress and the strain. On this week's episode, perfect start as town smash through the iron. There's also a bit of transfer and rumour mill chat. We answer your questions and look ahead at the club's forthcoming fixtures against Chelsea Under-21s and Carlisle United. I am joined once again by journalist Ben Wills. Hello, Ben. What a start. Yeah, I mean, you can't really ask much more for an opening weekend. And, you know, we recall this at a time where the full-time whistle just, just gone to Bristol City again, absolutely pumped at home. So, um, yeah, a good opening weekend overall, I think. Indeed. Before we go too deep, shall we listen to somebody who was at the game? That'd be a good idea. I'm joined for this segment by Swindon Town's Head of Media and Communications, Ben Hook. Hello, Ben. Hi Rich, how you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And thank you for agreeing to come on, although two Bens in the same podcast. When will it end? That's terrible. We're taking over, I reckon. Taking over indeed. Well, let's start with the good stuff. It's mostly good. What a way to start the season. Yeah, it was fantastic. I think as far as away performances go, that's sort of like a textbook, cliched, 
perfect away performance. You sit in and you sort of soak up and just absolutely, it's almost like Blitzkrieg, <laughs> sort of on the break, ridiculously quick. And we were sort of past them in a flash. It was brilliant, brilliant to watch. So in the build-up to the game, both match day and before, what was the mood going forward? Was was it confident? Was it quite light? Was everyone relaxed? Um... I think a lot before before the season starts sorry I think there's a sort of there is a sort of buzz but nobody wants to say it nobody wants to sort of talk about it so everyone's sort of almost slightly more hyper slightly more jovial because nobody wants to admit that they're really quite not tense but excited for the start of the season there's sort of a tangible buzz around the place and yeah that that was no different with us I think I mean we did a few loads of interviews we did the open training session and the lads were sort of on cloud nine and it was just a case of watching from the outside and from the access I have, you sort of see what you want to see as sort of a football fan on the inside is that they're just buzzing to start playing competitive football again. So I think that was the general mood, obviously for the staff and sort of the gaffer and Noel Hunt and Tommy Wright, there's sort of a sort of quiet sort of whirring in their heads a little bit. They're all sort of on work mode for, for the whole week, but, yeah, no, there was a there was a, a good buzz around the place, and I think, yeah, I think there was sort of a, a bit of a release of tension on Saturday. Those goals were something else, really. Yeah, I think I would, I, I sort of watch from the press box. Sort of, I'm I'm sat right slap bang in the middle of the home fans, but you can't really when a goal scored like that, you can't really stop me from celebrating. To be honest, I think, I mean, I I really like Jerry. We get on very well as I do with everyone, but Jerry is a real character in the dressing room. Just he's one of the funniest lads we've got in the dressing room this year and you just will him on as soon as the ball went to him you just willing him on to score and I thought when he when he sort of took him took it round the goalkeeper I was going oh he's he's cocked this up and I went oh no oh no and then when he went round him I just all I can see from my angle is just limbs everywhere and the ball in the back of the net and Magahi slide sliding fruitlessly I was just going this is brilliant it's sort of like a release of energy from everyone involved I think yeah it was just brilliant and then obviously Keshi who's got um he's had a interesting pre-season shall we say obviously um it was just good for him I think to get on the score sheet and really sort of show what he can do because I think that was a really good really good goal and it was it's obvious that that's something they've worked on and something that they intend to do all season long so yeah long may it continue were you responsible for the gifts yeah so i i'm the ideas man behind the gifts i sort of i don't quite have the talent to pull off something like that but i it's my sort of brainchild i suppose so yeah i can take some credit but we have a designer called blue chili if anyone's interested i'll give them a shameless plug they're blue chili and they are very very good they do our programs as well and the, if if I can plug anything else in this answer, the program will be one thing. I'm really pleased with the design. So, yeah, they're very good, and we were really pleased with just the uh, the whole process actually, because the lads are really positive about doing all the. We tried to show off their personalities as well as sort of not do the sort of really really gimmicky sort of dancing with a load of props because I think that's been done to death a little bit. But we wanted to show off their personality and sort of give them a bit of a free reign. So I just said celebrate how you want when we did the photo shoot and then gave the pictures to Blue Chili who and yeah it was per- sort of worked out well. I was really desperate to use Jerry's because this is probably one of the better ones. So yeah no pleased with how they went down. Are there any? players that are unlikely to score and you just think oh god I hope they do because their uh, their goal celebration gif is great 
Yes, yeah, so I, I had this last year with Kyle Noyle. I had a fantastic picture of him, sort of in a great animation of him, um, ready to like, sort of ready to go all season long. And I was just there was I think he hit the crossbar against Cambridge, and I was there. I don't think I've ever wheeled a ball into the back of the net more. But yeah, there's a couple this year that I don't think we'll get to see. But they are absolute belters. I think if come the end of the season, if they haven't scored and they're good enough, then I'm just going to release them anyway as a little thread because sometimes you've just got to put out good work. I think who have we got? Jaromanskis is great, and I can't see him scoring another goal like he did against Tranmere. So <laughs> I don't know if we'll get to see that. Um, Luke Haynes is, is fantastic, so I might just send that out on loan to Chippenham. Um, yeah, the only one that will be a regular starter that I'm sort of sceptical as to whether he'll score. We've got a good, a really good one for is Rob Hunt. His is, yeah, very, very good. So, <laughs> fingers crossed for next week. I don't mind them, mate. And crucially, I think, I think it reminds me of the Only Fools and Horses opening more than anything. Yeah, I mean, I really wanted that sort of, sort of retro style, and the Polaroids was something that Blue Chili came up with, and that was one of the first things I sort of uh, thought of when when I saw them come back. But yeah, I'm a big fan of Only Fools, and it's sort of. It's relevant because obviously the the inspiration behind the design is the um, uh, eighty seven kit mm. from I think Calderwood where they get where we get promoted out of Division Three and he's lift, there's a picture of him lifting the trophy up at um, up in the sort of stands and that was the sort of inspiration behind it and then obviously you saw Dion wearing that shirt in the current crop old top series that we did and I've sort of fallen in love with it a little bit as a lover of old kits so yeah it's a yeah a nice design and I'm I'm, sure, I'm hoping we'll get to use them a lot this season lovely stuff well back to the game I think for those of us who weren't there and following it it did seem very very even town were forced to put their bodies on the line at times and got lucky but I mean essentially to go back with the cliches that's football right yeah I mean well a lot of football managers will tell you there's there's no such thing as luck or you create your own luck. So I think we were, in terms of the, the defensive side, I think to have that instant sort of defensive shape, sort of first game of the season, to go somewhere like Scunthorpe where they've come, come down from League One and just watching it, you sort of felt, I felt relatively comfortable when Scunthorpe had the ball in our half. There were only two times in that first half where I really thought, cool, we got away with that. But I think, yeah, the addition of Jordan Lydon in defensive midfield I thought was a really really um, important addition actually because we sort of had Canis there last season he was very good but he was also very young sort of a bit um, yeah just almost too energetic and too enthusiastic just to get around the pitch but Jordan is quite calm but and sort of his positioning is just incredible so he um, yeah it was great seeing his block from uh, Adam Hammer was ridiculously good. The only other heart in mouth moment was when they hit the post, and I think, yeah, sometimes la- I think last season that would have gone in, and hopefully this season is just the whole season of that that shot not going in because we being so clinical yesterday was something that didn't associate with us last year. So hopefully we'll just go away and do that every week, and it will just be plain sailing from here. <laughs> Amen to that. And were there any other observations that, or any other parts of Swindon's game that impressed you? And was there anything that really highlighted Richie Wellens getting this game right tactically? I think the fact that, I mean, I speak to all the players after the game, but I think the fact that I spoke to Luke McCormack and he said, 
we didn't feel like there was sort of imminent danger at many points during the game. And I think that's such a great sort of sign of a defensive display. And I think that's one thing that we, we should be able to do and will stand us in good stead is if we sort of let other teams have the ball but don't feel like they're going to score. I think we did it to Forest Green at home last year where they must have had sort of 60, 70% of the ball, but we broke so quickly and that was at home and I think that's a very good way of playing away. So I think that was one thing that I think going forward can sort of give town fans a lot of hope. So that sort of sturdiness and sort of the, the defensive unit being very steadfast. But then also I just think the calmness on the ball from every single player on that pitch yesterday, I think is something that you won't find in many League Two teams at all. I think, I mean, the Scunthorpe have just come down from League One and I thought, to be honest, they looked more ready to pump it when when they sort of felt under pressure. Whereas we sort of, every so often in League Two, you sort of watch it and you go, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And they pass it, pass it, pass it, pass it. And then they go, cool, well done. It's sort of like when you're, you're playing Sunday League and you go, pass it, pass it, pass it. And you make shoots and he scores an absolute world. And you go, oh, well done, mate. It's sort of like that sometimes. I think we were very good at that, that side of the game yesterday. I think Rob Hunt was excellent. And he was a very calm influence. Zeki Fryers is another brilliant addition because, I mean, his calmness to sort of stride out from the penalty spot to the edge of his 18-yard box and then play the ball to Kane sort of set us up for that second goal, basically. So I think that sort of calmness on the ball and steadiness around the team going forward and sort of going back, I think is something that, yeah, can make fans quite optimistic especially away from home you and the guys who you work alongside are definitely responsible partly responsible for a lot of the feel-good factor that's going around at the moment you know not to blow too much smoke up your backside but it's definitely been a successful PR drive as far as the the fans are concerned in regards to the club we haven't had six weeks or whatever off to fester we've been kept informed we've been given more than we usually have in terms of social media, which has been great and appreciated, I'm sure, by the overwhelming majority. Smoke blowing ends here. There's been plenty of optimism around with the fans, plenty of caution too. But I suppose from football on football terms, what we do in, at home is crucial in these upcoming weeks. Yeah, I think, I mean, we've been saying it. I mean, it's sort of a bit of a relief for everyone off the pitch this weekend because... We've been doing a lot of work, as you, as everyone does in the off-season, even if it doesn't sort of bear the fruit that we've seen in terms of the positivity of the fans. But every football club will have people working behind the scenes sort of constantly in that May, June, July time because there's a lot of stuff to be done. But we all know, and it's sort of the worst part, sort of one of the frustrations of working in football is that you can do a lot of good work and try and build up as much positivity as you like. But if we'd lost 3-0 yesterday, then I know for a fact that that positivity would have been halved, sort of absolutely killed off just by one negative result. So in terms of that that side of things for me is that as long as the team are doing well, then my job gets a whole lot easier. But at the same time, I always think with football, you've got the option to do on the pitch well and off the pitch well, and you don't necessarily have to... Um, they don't necessarily have to correlate and they don't necessarily have to um, be overly related. And I think having that disconnect is something I've been working on this season to try and help fans to disconnect what we do off the pitch with what we do on it. So Richie Wellens is fantastic off the pitch. He is also doing a very good job on the pitch. So 
at the moment we're getting both things right but if results were to turn I'd hope that fans would still appreciate the fact that we've done an open training session before um, before the season starts we've invited fans into the ground we're doing more stuff with the community the um, swimming the community foundation are brilliant and they've been doing a lot of good work for a long time and the and the two parties haven't necessarily done enough work together previously just because of maybe not having the managers that have the appetite for it more than anything else. But I think now we've got a manager that is driving it in word and also in his actions. So I think that's the main thing for us is that we want to have that slight disconnect between um, what's going on and off the pitch. But I think at the moment, as long as, as long as the team keep winning, I'm going to carry on riding the wave. So It'll be a, it should be a fun season if that goes if that carries on. I hope so. So, are we counting Chelsea under twenty ones in midweek as part of the momentum? No, last season it was horrible. I, I last season Chelsea under twenty ones was one of my worst nights because it's just, I mean, I would I can get in trouble here with the EFL, but I won't. But for me, it was just it's it's a nothing game against the under twenty ones because it's a completely different style of football. The players that you play against are unbelievable technically, but it's sort of, you know, for a fact, especially with Chelsea, that half that team is going to get loaned out by the time they're playing against Plymouth and Bristol Rovers in our group. So it's sort of just, I think the gaffer said on in his phone in that he doesn't rate it as a competition. He sees it as a bit of a nuisance. And I think it's the same with everyone. They see it as a nuisance until you get, you get to Wembley. So I wouldn't, personally, I'm not going to go too big on it mainly because I've got a program to do on Saturday and that's my sort of main priority this week and then we've got a lot of things going on on the Saturday to really look forward to so I think yeah you won't hear me sort of towing the EFL trophy line too much we'll obviously report it and we'll obviously do do the sort of reporting side of it to make sure that fans <laughs> that aren't at the ground um, know what's going on because I don't I think we anticipate too much of a um, a record attendance, shall we say, on Tuesday night. So that side of it will be done. But I think as a football club generally, we're not the biggest fans of it after last season's 4-0 drubbing. Um, yeah, wasn't yeah. wasn't the most enjoyable experience. Yeah, I agree. And I especially agree with the fact that Chelsea will play their a very strong under-21 games against us, but by the time October rolls in and they're playing their last game, it will be the under-18s, essentially, won't it? But that's the checker trade, everybody. Um, no longer the checker is trade. Is it not the checker trade anymore? No longer it is the EFL trophy. Is it just the EFL trophy checker trade are gone? The checker trade are gone. God, I am out of the loop. Oh, no, well, I don't blame you. Yeah, quite. Okay, well... That's the EFL trophy, everyone. Okay, let's, let's end with a bit of promotion for the game ahead against Carlisle United. What have you got planned? There's a couple of things we haven't announced yet, which should be really fun. And they're sort of small gestures, but ones we hope will get people through the door early and can, yeah, um, entice fans in. But we've got the fan zone opening. Um, that will be out the back of the Don Rogers, which is something we're really, really proud of, I think. We last year we sort of went to we go to these EFL meetings about sort of fan engagement and what you what clubs can do more for fans and one of the things that we thought was a bit of a pipe dream was having a fan zone because we didn't think we had the space we didn't think we had the sort of capability but the more and more we thought of, we sort of thought about it um, we realised that it was possible and it was something that could be a real positive for fans to come 
and sort of just enjoy the three hours before match day, before the match kicks off, and sort of have some different food rather than this sort of burger and chips that is sort of renowned football is renowned for. Sort of hoping to have loads of different stalls. Um, the football in the community are doing. They've got a massive inflatable five-a-side pitch for any kids to come along and sort of have a kick about before the game, keep themselves occupied. Um, we're going to have player appearances. I think we're going to have a live DJ in there. And then the Junior Red Room has been completely revamped. So we've got, I mean, I'm not the best person to speak to, but we've got a lot of things going on in there in terms of the redesi- redesigned and then also a load of different activities for sort of kids to engage in, basically. And we want to, that sort of for the future generation that a lot of work has already been done for. So... I think those are the main two things. I think the fact that the players are going to show a lot of appreciation for the fans that turn up early, um, just because I think that sometimes the the team needs to make the first move and really sort of you saw. I think we did it at the country game where we tried to make a real effort before the game to clap fans and engage and say hello and just make sure that we're going to our fans and going to the people that come to support us because. Sometimes football clubs forget that it is a two-way street and they're waiting for fans to sort of clap before the players sort of clapping back. Whereas actually we sort of want to make the first move and sort of say to fans, thank you for coming. You don't need to clap us, but we're going to clap you for, for being here. And I think that's the main thing for me is the sort of the players' relationship with the fans is so vital at this level. Because I've sort of come through a National League and non-league background before here. And that was one thing that stood out as one of the most enjoyable things about football for me was just seeing players engage with fans and I think that is one thing that we are aiming to do more and more of so if I can plug anything is just come and support the team because the team are going to engage with you whether you like it or not this year <laughs> Sounds fantastic Ben that was lovely thank you very much Not at all Rich any time Rose deliver on this occasion oh, Lieber Wellensball trademark Connor Garrett. So a wonderful 2-0 win away from home to start the season. Town's first lineup was something like a 4-2-3-1 with McCormick and Goal, Hunt, Friars, Baldry and Conroy at the back. Dalty and Leiden were on defensive midfielder duties. Woolery and Isgrove were out on the wing and Anderson was playing just behind Yates. It was a game defined by counter-attack football. I'll just start this podcast by saying that it's a welcome relief that uh, we've won our opening game. So I think both of us expected uh, a defeat on the opening day to, to sort of perish any pre-season optimism that the club had worked hard to, to build up. So a nice opening weekend and it was a relief for me because I went into it quite groggy after being up since four o'clock on a uh, flight and commuting from Northern Ireland and then Manchester Airport. So, um, so yeah, I couldn't have asked for much more of an opening weekend in the, you know, uh, optimism of the club rolls on for another week. I don't think it's covered too much in the questions that will follow, but those two goals, I cannot remember the, a time that we've won 2-0 and both goals have come after being defensible, having defended so deep in our own half before scoring. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately I wasn't out of the game, so I can't comment deeply on, you know, minute 1-90, to 90, but, but clearly we scored, you know, essentially the same goal twice, so 
Um, you know, I've had some derision for saying Wellens Ball, and the title of this podcast will be Wellens Ball related, so you might get some flack for that. But I think we, we can only take positive things that both of the goals have come from, you know, archetype Wellens ideas and, and the counter-attack. Although, of course, it's only day one, and we can't read too much into it. At least it's proper football that is competitive, and Swindon has scored two goals that, you know, came straight from the manager's thinking. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's still early, but at least, you know, the ideas are getting across and, and uh, you know, players are, are buying into Wellens. And, you know, more importantly, the new players are buying into Wellens. You know, the first goal was was two new signings combining. So um, people that have only been here a matter of weeks have, have bought into Wellens. And then you've got the the players that have carried on from, from last season are on board with it as well. We can talk about Lloyd Isgro's first touch for his contribution to the goal, right? Yeah, I think we could do an hour on that on that alone. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, fantastic. I mean, you can't ask so much more for a counter-attacking goal. It's uh, I think Conroy deserves immense credit as well for getting his body um, across across that to, to clear it. And then, although it wouldn't have been aimed at Isgrove, I'm, I'm sure, given the the sort of I don't know desperate nature to the clearance, but Isgrove has, has read it brilliantly. And I think Scunthorpe have slightly overcommitted to that corner. But even so, Isgrove has done a wonderful touch that is you know completely wiped one player from the game. And then it's a a sort of Two on one between Isgrove and and uh, and Yates that leads to the inevitable inevitable goal and um, so yeah wonderful wonderful work by both and uh, Yates doesn't do too bad either to uh, to round the keeper and slot in and I'm not going to pretend that I was super confident going into this game because I wasn't too much and you know other than the feel good factor around the club there's no way of knowing how Wellens's new squad could have done at Scunthorpe going in but what really reassured me before the game when I spoke to Richie Wellens he mentioned or he acknowledged that Scunthorpe under Paul Hurst weren't quite ready I don't know if he he had done scouting but he said that they weren't ready yet and it's probably a good he suggested that it's probably a good time to play them yeah I think was it the first goal came an hour in I think during the as the the game started to tick down towards the last last half an hour it's probably you know, getting ready to draft tweets to saying, you know, it's a it's scumthorpe, although probably weren't at their best and the season is is sort of a free hit for everyone. It's still I think you look at Scumthorpe as one of those teams that will be decent enough going into the going into the season and will be around that sort of top half area. So I you probably draft and things saying that it's a decent point on paper and there'll be there'll be um better results but they can be part of that point and then, you know, a few minutes later Yates um sticks in and, and Keshi added um soon after to secure the win. But Generally, I think a point would have been fine, but clearly, I think it's good that Swindon attacked uh, what sounded like a, a vulnerable scum for, and, and they got they got maximum points from from the first game. The remainder of this podcast is dominated by listeners' questions, which is fantastic. Thank you very much for that. We'll start with the pros. Lots of love for debutante Jordan Lydon. Uh, Glenn Waite commented that Jordan Lydon on a freebie was one of the best bits of business all summer, working like a Trojan horse yesterday and blocked a goal-bound shot by putting his body on the line. Lydon's one of many in the squad that we had that asterisk that we mentioned you know, in the, in the previous podcast of if he stayed fit. And although it's only one game gone, it could still get injured between now and, and now and May. It's a, it's a great start. And I think it was, it was timely as well, not least because obviously it's the first game of the season, the first important game, but... I think Kenise Carroll joined Carlisle on loan uh, the day before or two days before. So I think a lot of people wanted him back and and would have liked him to be that defensive infielder. But clearly, I think the loans have been better used elsewhere. And we needed hope that Leiden and the incoming um, CD Sonoka, I think his name was, needed to be needed to be good. And Leiden wasted absolutely no time in being 
um, important in the winning the ball back and then starting moves in, in the counter-attack. So a long way to go, obviously, but you, you can't go too far wrong. I think that there could be a worry um, towards the end of the season if he, he continues in his vein and he doesn't get injured. That, that one-year deal that was offered to him, um, his insurance in case he does get injured, could be utilised by another club that gets impressed by him and soon will have to work hard to keep him. But, um, you know, of course, it's still early days and hopefully Leiden does impress and and if needs be, then we can get that extended um, as soon as possible. But yeah, a cracking start. And I think a lot of people impressed on their debuts by the sounds of it. And, and Lydon was certainly amongst them. Let's stick with the injury asterisks. Bowen FM enjoyed the pace and quality of the counter-attacks. If a long-term injury occurs to either Yates or Isgrove, or worse, both, do you think Town have enough depth to replace them? Um, at the time of recording, no. I think if, if you, you did lose both, that'd be one, the worst case scenario. But um, two, you'd only really have Anderson, who's already playing, and uh, and Jai see me on the bench. But that clearly won't be enough. But I think Wellens has been pretty public on on getting another ten in or another winger in. Um, whether that happens, we'll, we'll see. But um, I think it, there will be that one more that needs to come in, and and you know, potentially um, Worry can be can be moved. I think he's quite versatile and another striker is going to be brought in as well. At least one striker is going to be brought in as well. So at the time of recording, the answer to that question is no, but I think by the time we do this podcast at the end of August, then uh, that will soon become a yes. Mark H is happy. Strong win and lightning on the break, but warns, remember crew 3-0. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Obviously, he's referring to De Canio's first season where we won comfortably on the opening day and then struggled for a month or so and of course we lost or got spanked by Ginningham the year that we made the playoff final under Danny Wilson there was a lot of tongue-in-cheek shall we say after the game I even saw a couple by yourself Ben where it was like announce the league and things like that very much tongue-in-cheek but hey let's enjoy it while we can right yeah definitely I think um I, I play like a heightened version relative myself, uh, quite like Stuart Lee on Twitter. But um, yeah, clearly I was joking about the, the league title, as were many others. But it was the perfect start to the season. But, you know, like you said, we've had plenty of false, false storms before. I think Phil Brown won his opener and David Flickoff won his opener in both those seasons sort of tailed off. And uh, as I said, the Gillingham wasn't too much to read into um, in 2009. So there is 45 games to go. They're not pointless, though. They, they are they are important. But um Clearly, there's a long way to go, but I think generally it's something to be impressed by. And I think the answer to the question, um, you know, how do we break teams that might defend at home? I think that's that's definitely a valid one. I think even we've seen it last season that you know one week we'd draw at home to Crawley and then we'd beat Bury three-one. So I think although we're never going to look at those top teams as as ones that um, are, are are given or are going to be easy, I think we could look at them as the easy ones because we'll see teams like. Um, scum for the weekend and maybe Plymouth going forward and teams like that that will try and attack at home and then we can capitalise on that and then I think the games we could find harder this season are um, you know Crawley at home um, Morecambe at home Grimsby at home that will happily put 11 behind the ball and and, um, and suffocate Swindon and then that will be the, the true test of Willery Isgrove Yates et al to, to break down that low block so I think definitely this season and this will apply to me as well. I, I overestimate teams as much as anyone, but I think this season we should definitely start to look at Crawley and Grimsby as the harder teams rather than rather than Bradford and Plymouth, I think, because I think Bradford and Plymouth will, will play to our strengths and the teams that, like I said, will camp in and, and do that low block will be the harder teams to, to get maximum points from. Agreed. And by the way, I'll happily be your 
Richard Herring to your Stuart Lee as long as we don't fall out. <laughs> yeah, me too. I think uh, I'm not uh, I'm nowhere near as clever as Stuart Lee, but I'm definitely the uh, the constantly annoyed person that uh, that is angry at the world. So um, so yeah, I can I can definitely play that role. We've had a few questions come in about style during home games. Alex says it was great to score on the counter attack, but as Wellens found last season, how if you create against a team who go back to front who don't attack? especially at home. Danny Cole also wonders whether Town have the players to unlock teams that sit back at the county ground. Do we need a striker in the Paul Benson or Mark Richards mould for just the home games? I think, um, if I start with Alex's, I think we'll see in the away games. I think we kind of saw yesterday, or Saturday I should say, and uh, we'll see going forward in away games. I think we can just sort of wait and, and let those those home teams come at us because even though they will be aware of how soon they're going to go about things, they'll still want to attack us, given that no one likes to draw at home or draw points at home. So I think even though teams will, will soon learn what Swindon are doing, they'll still be susceptible to it because Plymouth will still, teams like Plymouth will still come at us and then we can be we can be more patient. Whereas I think at home against, I'll keep saying Crawley because Gabriele Cioffi definitely mastered it last season and, and he was very Italian in the way that Crawley literally did just sit in and did nothing for the whole game apart from have you know five men at the back um teams teams like Crawley will just have to will happily wait as well and soon we'll have to definitely press them a lot higher than they do for the away games and I think they're gonna have to win the ball a lot quicker because if they just let Crawley sort of um pump it long whenever needed and then regroup then soon they're gonna find it difficult to break a whole team of 11 down so the games against you know the likes of Crawley and Morecambe and I don't know Cambridge and teams like that they're gonna have to win the ball quickly so there's only one or two men to beat or they can run into space rather than relying on Woolery, Isgrove and Doughty to to break a whole team down so I think those games will I've, I've very little doubt that we're, we're going to drop points occasionally at home against the the consolidation teams if you like because you know they are they are league two players that's something they've gotten even as good as players like Doughty and Woolery are, they will have off games where Doughty plays a, a straight pass or Woolery runs into a Woolery runs into a man or, or can't fight the final ball or someone misses an open goal or something. But I think they will get those those wins as well occasionally because you know they are they are better players and occasionally the ball will bounce. But I think the approach for those games should definitely be pressing a lot higher and and not giving them an inch really because you know we've we've, we've seen that those teams. Not just under Wellens, but um, previously under under Keeper and everyone else, that they they will just sit back and they will grind up that nil nil that they came for. On addition, with Danny's, I don't think they need a target man in the shape of Paul Benson or Mark Richards to to counter that. I think if anything, it probably make it worse. Cause I think um, even though something like Lincoln last season where we drew two all might be a bad example because we scored two goals. I think if I remember that podcast correctly, we sort of talked a lot about how. Um, fans are annoyed that Swindon sort of recycled the ball and tried to walk past a, a nine-man Lincoln. But when Swindon did cross during those games, a, a team like Lincoln, who had tall, strong centre-backs, will just head those balls away, no problem. So when you are coming against coming up against a Grimsby or Crawley or whoever it is, I definitely don't think you know endless crossing is going to work because they will have those you know more experienced centre-backs that will win balls in the air. So I, I generally think that even though we, we, we might struggle in those games occasionally, we're still going to, um, it will be better going forward to still have those, those pacey players to run up the maybe slower lead two centre-back. So, so I think those games will be harder, but I don't think a target man is going to um, address the problem. Sorry, Alex, if I butchered your first question, you can have another one. He also asked, how can Town press and stay vertically forward while at the other end you have a keeper who retreats to his line as soon as the goal is threatened? 
Yeah, I think it's a, a lot harder to answer, but I think you just sort of got to touch on the on the first one where Swindon are going to have to do it pretty much immediately as soon as um, I think they might benefit this season from the, the goal kick rule changing, that, whereas um, defenders can collect the ball from within, from within their area. So Swindon can press immediately and then, like I said, have very little um, amount of players to have to beat and hopefully just have the one-on-one or, or the two-on-one to try and force something. Um, I haven't seen... Yates enough to to see how willing a presser he is, but he seems to be decent enough in pre-season, and we'll see what striker additions um, be like. But I definitely think the the main striker is going to have to be someone who is willing to do an awful amount of running and do all the all the ugly running that that forces things. Where you know, it kind of touched upon my fear opposite problem that although my main problem was he didn't score enough goals, I don't think he did the the running as much as he needed to either. So. I think Swindon are going to have to get a real workhorse up front that will do endless running and Willery and Isgrove and the likes will chip in as well because, you know, like I said, those uh, those struggling lead two teams will just boot it at the first opportunity and, and then they'll regroup to, you know, eight, nine, ten, eleven players behind the ball and, and Swindon will find that difficult to, to break down. So it's definitely going to have to be emergency, proper gagging pressing, high pressing to, to force um, the opposition into mistakes right from the get-go. Wellens was full of praise for his team citing that the, the result was the most important thing, but as far as I was concerned, I was all about Richie Wellens' footwear choice. Lovely stuff. Uh, yeah, I think Pazali, it's not new. He's doing this sort of last season, but those, despite him being here since, what, November, December, those those shoes are still absolutely pristine white. So um, I'm just going to get him on the on the phone, I think, and whoever is uh, his cobbler or whoever's making the shoes are, are definitely <laughs> doing a very cobbler. good job. <laughs> I was listening to the Carl Pilkington podcast earlier, so I'm just nicking Carl Pilkington uh, quotes, I think. The guy's got loads of shoes. He's not, it's not the same pair. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, uh, <laughs> doing it for attempted comedic effect. <laughs> yeah. Is that Stuart Lee thing's gone to your head? <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> the cobbler. A little bit of space for Frank McAvenny. Away from Parker. Not from Bruce, though. Nighthold with a shot. Took a deflection. He's in. has equalised for Swindon Town and bottom of the table they may be but they are made of stern stuff Dion Conroy is the new captain of the club official now I thought it was going to be Matthew Baldry you thought it was going to be Dion you were right yeah well I I, I had this problem with Flickhoff as well I think he bought um Lancashire and Robertson and I thought I thought it'd be one of Lancashire and Robertson and Lancashire got it and Robertson got the got the vice and, and this season I thought it'd be between Conroy and Baudry and Conroy's got it and Baudry's got the vice so so yeah I'm I'm glad it's Dion I think it makes sense given that he had it towards the, the latter end of last year and I, I don't think you were you know well it's, it's proof that you weren't um, miles off the mark by saying it was Baudry but it made a lot of sense but clearly I think it spends more benefit from having that player that's already had it here and worked with um, Willery, Anderson, McCormick, um, players like that, that will already be used to having Conroy sort of as that leader because he wasn't here full time, but he definitely got it a few times. So the right move, and I think if Conroy does get injured or suspended, then uh, then Baudry will be ample replacement to, to fill that gap. Do you not find it strange, though, that you've got faith in somebody to be, and when I say you, I mean the club generally, they have faith in somebody to captain the side, but not give them more than a year's contract? I think they only gave Conroy a year because of necessity rather than wanting. I think uh, I think the one-year term was very much on 
the one year deal was very much on Conroy's terms, so I think that would have been avoidable in their regard. But still, I think even though it's, it's not ideal that they could potentially use their captain next year, and and, and Baldry's also on a one year deal as well, but um, that that could be that could be a blow. But still, I think you just give it to the, the best person that's available, and hopefully, Com- that, hopefully that could even be a shot on the arm of Conroy extending if the club do well, and, and Conroy could be captain long term. Fair enough. We need to talk about Keshi Anderson. Lots of surprise when his name was on the team sheet for the game against Scunthorpe. In the days before, he had helped Town smash Melksham with a hat-trick and a 6-0 final pre-season win for Swindon. In the past, we've played bombed-out players like Michael Smith and Miles Storey, and somewhat understandably, they've not played as well as they did previously before they fell out of favour, but... Full credit to Anderson. He must be training brilliantly. He's stayed professional and he's got himself a goal. Yeah, I think um, after what was a troubling part of the summer when um, Keshi was left in England while the rest of the squad went to Spain, I think that's clearly a a disciplinary issue that Wellens and and Keshi had that I I, I kind of think must must be sorted now. But maybe I'm being naive and taking Wellens' press comments on, on faith value, but this time it definitely seems that Keshi Anderson's only transfer listed because Wellens wants a different striker in, and it seems any sort of um, disciplinary problem is is gone. But now it's just a case of I like you, but you're earning too much, um, which could be forcing him out. Like I said, I could be naive there, but um, it seems that um, any problem they had personally is gone. But still, I think it's Keshi deserves tremendous credit, tre- tremendous credit from for bouncing back and and being part of the squad. The cynic might say that he's just doing it uh, so he can get. A move elsewhere that can impress other clubs, but but even so, I think it's it's credit to, to him that he's performing and, and scoring. And if if he, if he does go within the next um, three weeks, then that will be that will be a shame. But even so, I think Wellens can get the best out of him if if, if indeed he wants to, given given Keshi's wage. Lots of questions came in asking whether he would stay or go. I think it really does depend on where we stand budget-wise. Yeah, I could definitely say he's. Definitely not going, and then next week someone puts a bid in. I think it's it's, it's definitely going to be a case of if anyone fancies taking um, him and the wage. I think his his past form of um, not getting quite as much direct goal contributions as he would like and the fans would like might hamper him. Let's talk about transfers now. So in the in the previous podcast we talked about Lloyd Isgrove, and he did sign, and he made a great start to his town career. We welcome Delang Jayasimi to the club. He's on loan from Norwich City and made a late appearance at Scunthorpe. He's both the first Delang and Jayasimi to play for Swindon. Shock horror. Plenty of decent reviews from fans of his former loan clubs at Yeovil and Grimsby. What do we know about this guy? <laughs> oh, God, I'm going to say the I word again, aren't I? Decent from, from what we're saying. I think Grimsby played him both as a winger and as a 10, which is exactly what Wellen said he was going to bring in, so that makes a lot of sense. But he's had that injury again, which I think it was his ACL, I think, I'm, I, I think I've got that right, which which kept him out for a long time. But he seemed to impress in his second line at Yeovil and got um, some more direct goal contributions than he did at Grimsby. So I think there's a slight worry we could have another Keshi Anderson or Kane Willery that's bright and lively that doesn't get quite as many goals and assists as we like. But from... Uh, a lovely compilation that Delang himself has put out. He's definitely he's definitely tricky. He's got a few uh, skills in his locker that will you know put some defenders in in tailspins and and make them dizzy. But hopefully he can get those direct goal contributions that that lead to 
uh, that lead to goals and he'll need to as well because Wallery and Isgrove started like a house on fire. I didn't realise he was the oval player that goaded the uh, Aston Villa fans and then the goal was disallowed. Yeah, but it's, it's still made for a, a great picture though because he's doing the do the L celebration. I think I've got the right picture. So uh, any any sort of shit hazard of that level, I can definitely get on board with, as you know. Um, but yeah, the, the, one of those clips of him at Grimsby is, is him doing some lovely skills past albeit Ben Perkis and then he gets an assist for a Grimsby goal. So if no, if nothing else, it's uh, one less headache that uh, Swindon have won't have to deal with and you know a player that's uh, a Swindon players in the past is now employed by them we have a successful trialist in City Sunoco guess what yep first of both if he does get his debut at Swindon he's going to be contracted until January played youth football in Italy he's played in the lower leagues in France but he's impressed while training which seems to be the most important thing I've got far too many Mamo Bangora vibes here. I think he wasn't he uh, formerly on the books of Marseille or someone, and he got a six-month deal as well, I think, and, and played the same position. So um, I, I haven't seen CD. I think anyone who went to Melksham was impressed, and he scored a great goal that some people have seen that I haven't. But um, I'll have to I'll have to provide a proper opinion when I see him. But but Leiden started well, so CD's got an uphill task before he even starts. I demand 20 minutes against Chelsea under 21s. I think you'd have to say that was the ample opportunity. I mean, he got those minutes against Melksham, which at the time suggested he wouldn't be involved against Scunthorpe, but then Cash Henderson played and was. So uh, that poured water. Uh, at the time of recording, it still hasn't been announced by the club, even though Wellens has confirmed it. So I'm not sure what the hold-up is there, given he's a free agent, but uh, you should have asked Ben that yourself. Um, but even so, we should get an announcement during uh, during the next two days. Um, and hopefully Chelsea will get his... Chelsea will be his first run out ahead of ahead of Carlisle. I don't ask him about transfer stuff because, you know, I'm not allowed to. That's tongue in cheek, you're right. Well, Swindon, <laughs> Swindon Spartan asks what the chances are of Jerry Yates' loan deal being made a permanent transfer during this season, possibly January. Yeah, I seem to remember Phil Brown in an early phone and was talking about um, making Adebayo alone into a permanent after a month. So um, we've been uh, stung by this before. But uh, the answer to the question is that he's out of contract at Rotherham at the end of the season. So that's a, a big... But um, Rotherham did recall him from Carlisle in January after impressing in League 2 there. So Rotherham have won their opening game. Maybe if they have a... Maybe if they're in a bit of trouble in League 1 at Christmas and, and Yates is doing well, then they could recall him again. Um, or if they're struggling for goals, they could, they could do that. As I said, they've got previous, but it's good news to Swindon that if, I don't know, Rotherham get promoted and, and they want to move on from the agent, they definitely can do um, next summer. And uh, Swindon getting a free agent uh, next summer could be perfectly viable. If, like I said, things go well at Rotherham and, uh, and yet it impresses here. Code name Hard Hat asks whether the basis of the win over Scunthorpe changes anything in terms of the players we still want or need. Talk STFC also asked if we think a striker still needs to be added. Yeah, I mean, talking about tongue-in-cheek remarks on Twitter, I said after Cashy scored that we don't need this extra striker because, you know, he's <laughs> Jerry Yates has scored and that, I think that surprised a lot of people because, like I said, uh, I think a lot of people forgot we signed him and, and Cashy Anderson scored as well, a player we're trying to get rid of scored. But I, I, I do think uh, we still know there's an extra, extra striker because if, if Jerry Yates breaks his leg tomorrow then we've only got Kane and Scott. So there definitely needs to be uh, more additions there, and uh, uh, yesterday hasn't changed my opinion on on um, more attacking additions being needed. The Danny Hilton rumor remains, but I do wonder whether that's through fans more than anything. Yeah, this isn't one from Alan Nixon, who's generally been quite good, and we'll get on to him later. This is one from the uh, 
the League Two agent. That's to, to be fair to the account. I don't normally take them um, seriously, but to be fair, it's not doing that badly. But Hilton was one that's happened weeks ago. And there's been no update, and but he was left out of the Luton squad. Um, so maybe there's a an eye emoji there, but it's not from a, a reputable source officially. So um, I'll still be hesitant on this one, but you know, fingers crossed, I guess. Your your boy, the S, the Swindon Town rumours account, continues to pitch Callum Lang, but the club are pretty adamant on this that that's dead. Yeah, Richard Williams has said as much to the advert. Um, again, I, I'm I'm maybe naive that Wellens, I, I maybe naive that I take Wellens' comments too literally. Um, I think it's a, a general journalist trait, but um, if, if you are going to take Wellens literally, then, then Lang isn't happening. I think. He signed a three-year extension at Wigan, um, which, ironically, I think a lot of people seem to say that that sort of kills a move. But I actually tend to think that that um, you know makes it more likely because a lot of teams extend contracts and then loan out, and we're going to set to sign another striker, which again suggests that Lang could be on his way out. But uh, according to Wellens, if we're taking him literally, then Lang is going to be part of Wigan going forward, and uh, it won't be happening. I just think there's only really room if you're going to bring another forward in. It's got to be a permanent one. Yeah, I mean, they've still got room for... Is it, one, I've more lost, loan. one more loan, I think. After Jaisima, yeah. Um, yeah, they've still got room for one more loan. I think the, the, the benefit is that there isn't many positions uh, to to bring in. I think it's only really a goalkeeper and a striker. Maybe now that um, City's set to sign, so you could use a loan. Uh, could use a loan for... To be honest, I think I think they're going to they're gonna sign another two strikers if possible, so it would make sense if if one's permanent and one's alone, but I think that could annoy uh, Jerry Yates if you've got, you know, one new permanent striker and you've got two loanees that are all fighting for probably only even one place, actually, given it's more of a 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3. So there could be a lot of uh, a lot of tension there and a lot of unhappy parent clubs. We'll see what happens there. Your boy Alan Nixon, he has linked Swindon to Motherwell and Northern Ireland goalkeeper Trevor Carson. Loads of experience. Again, as you mentioned, Nixon tends to be quite accurate when it comes to Swindon Town. Yeah, a lot a lot of his links haven't quite worked this summer, but I think there's been genuine interest if they haven't gone for I think Wellen said to the BBC on his on his phone and that he said name a striker they've been linked with and I have spoken to him, so that includes past Nixon links like I don't know, Doyle and Hope and all the rest of it. But still I think Trevor Carson could be could be one that's definitely on, given, like I said, it's from a, a reputable source anyway. So I'm not obviously it's a name I think a lot of people have heard of. He seems to be around the football league and the Scottish game, so that that means that people have heard of him. But I can't really comment too deeply on what type of goalkeeper he is. But given Wellens is interested, he he will be the sort that that Swindon need. My only sort of reservation maybe is is he's he's 31, which is young for a goalkeeper. But I think I still want that that younger one to sort of invest in further because you know McCormick's. 37 38 and we'll probably leave at the end of the season so I think I'd maybe go for I'd rather go for someone who's like about, about 26 27 but even so it could be a, a decent signing if it indeed comes off O'Sullivan Finney a target in the penalty area he's found the young Finney it's 2-0 two goals in a minute you can only begin to think the thoughts that are going through the head of Harper and Flowers talk about the games that are going to be played before the next weekly update it starts in the EFL trophy against Chelsea under 21s a little bit of history repeating there hey it turns out the checker trade have gone I learned at the same time you did when you kindly sent me that uh, 
Ben Hurt clip before recording. So yeah, that's that's new to me, but I think that speaks volumes on how little uh, both you and I care about the EFR trophy. And, and it wasn't big news that Checker Trade have sadly withdrawn their sponsor. So um, yeah, that's probably the, the biggest news that's come out of the competition for a while. Um, apart from that, I'm not, not really that bothered about it. No, of course. I, mean, I think I'm going to go. I think I'm crossing the picket line. I will not be, despite my uh, beloved Premier League club being involved, sending the kids out. Oh, I've got. Uh, there's there's a window of opportunity. It's a cheap game. I'll, I'll probably I'll probably go. How many can we rest for this one? Unless the rules have changed, uh, you can have. Uh, you, you have to play five outfield players, but that does include the goalkeeper. So, uh, like I said, unless the rules have changed, and I can't be bothered to look it up. I should have done before this recording. Um, six is the answer, I think. Um, so hopefully we will get minutes for City if he's announced. Scott Twine, Aaron, uh, Cameron McGill, all the rest of it. So um, hopefully there aren't too many, um, you know, first teamers that could get injured ahead of Carlisle or whatever, and we get as much rotation as humanly possible on Tuesday. Carlisle United have started with a win. They beat Crawley over the weekend, and of course, as we know, they stuffed us at the county ground last season. It's a great opportunity to give the more curious town fans the chance to stick around for a few more games if we can get that positive result. Yeah, I think the first two months is, is quite difficult as we spoke about at length on this podcast, but I think Carlisle is one of the better ones. And I think being at home, although, although I said you know earlier we could struggle at home quite a few times this season, I think Carlisle is not a bad one to begin with. It could be a lot worse, put it that way. So uh, definitely winnable and uh, hopefully we can get three points to keep the optimism um, on for uh, as, as long as possible as our assault on the league two title uh, continues. I think we're going to beat Chelsea under 21s this year, but I think we're going to draw against Carlo. 1-1 again. If you offered me the reverse right now, I'd take it. I, c- I can't be asked what happens on Tuesday and, uh, you know, those three points they needed on Saturday. So, um, so yeah, <laughs> Let, let's, just, let's just sacrifice Tuesday in the hope that um, Saturday is good. Well, no problems with that. Before we go, I want us to say a massive thank you to those who listened to the Charlie Austin episode. And I include those grumpy Saints fans who also gave it a listen. How have no fury for football fans scorned, right? Yeah, uh, they, they, there's always an excuse to be angry, but they should remember that Charlie Austin is still employed uh, with them. So maybe they should warm to him a bit, but uh, it, it looks like he doesn't quite see what Hassan Hurtle wants to do. So... Uh, hopefully, if needed, then he finds a move in the next three weeks. Let's see what happens there. To finish, Ross Vince asks, is it time to update your predictions after one game? I'll live by the sword and I'll die by it. What about you, Ben? The answer is obviously no, but um, if I'm going to read too much into anything, then uh, Bradford drew 0-0 home to Cambridge and, and Swindon won. So uh, I'll bump up Swindon from third to second and I'll, I'll bump Bradford down and replace them. So... Uh, no, I don't. But clearly, there's a long way to go. But um, it's, it's good to feel it's good to feel good. And promotion rivals are dropping points already. Ten men, Cambridge. Exactly. Bradford going down. <laughs> Anything else, Ben? Uh, no, not really. I think I'm just looking forward to um, Saturday. And I think it's a shame that Tuesday sort of got in the way. I think it's really crap that uh, the EFL trophy will call, kill any momentum. It should be that League Cup game, which has now been delayed, uh, as far as I know, until forever two weeks or so. But I'm still looking forward to getting back on Saturday rather than Tuesday. Yeah, I just agreed with what Ben Hook said earlier about the fact that Chelsea will play their stronger 
under 21 side because they're not on loan yet and then they'll play their under 17s, 18s in their latter games. Seems daft. I, th- I think maybe the one positive is that although that will still be a decent enough side, I think we drew to Man United Academy, so it'll still be Chelsea still be decent, but I think Frank Lampard will be playing a lot more of the the youth going forward. I think Mount James Hudson Odoi, or well, Hudson Odoi's injured, but Mount James and all the rest of it will still be uh, among the first team. So it won't be the ultra uh, impressive Chelsea youth candidates, but it should still be a decent side. And the people that do turn up, uh, not quite sure why, but the likes of yourself and others will get a decent-ish game, I think, for what it is. Billy Gilmore, I'll see you on Tuesday night. Ben, thank you very much. Thanks very much, Rich. The Low Strangers is an independent Swindon Town fan podcast. The music was expertly created by Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by the super talented John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. When you don't, I think in my first week, I we played Lincoln away and I used the phrase, we go again. <laughs> and I didn't understand the context of that phrase until I put it out and uh, yeah, never again. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit of a tired old trope nowadays. Um, yes. Come boys! It's a grand old team to play for. And it's a grand old team to see. you know the history. It's enough to make a hard goal. We don't care what the Newcastle say. What the hell do we care? Because we only know. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.